may be seated. Most products that we buy have warning labels on them, such as the warning label on a baby stroller, which said, remove child dishwasher, which literally said, do not allow children to play in the dishwasher. The warning label on a hairdryer, which said, do not use while sleeping. And then the warning label on a laser printer cartridge, which said, do not eat the toner. Scary thing is these warnings were seen as necessary. Evidently, someone got hungry and decided to try the toner or tried to blow dry their hair while they were sleeping one night. Warnings are given to us to protect us. God warns us in his word because he loves us. God warns us in his word because he wants what's best for us. God warns us in his word to protect us. God warns us in his word to bless us. As we follow God's warnings, as we heed his warnings in his word, we walk in his wisdom. As the psalmist said, how happy and blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. And so our challenge today, as it is every day as followers of Jesus Christ, is quite simply to walk according to the Lord's instruction. And so we're going to continue doing that this morning as we study God's word that he has prepared for you and me. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you've not already moved there, go ahead and move there now. Eschatology is the topic of Paul's teaching and writing in chapter 5, the, at least the first half of chapter 5. Eschatology is the study of last things or end times or the return of Jesus. Paul taught the believers in Thessalonica about what happens to followers of Jesus who die before the return of Jesus in chapter four. Paul shared with them, as we've already studied and covered, that those followers of Jesus who die before the return of Jesus will return with Jesus when Jesus comes back for us. This was very encouraging news for the believers in Thessalonica as it is for us followers of Jesus Christ today. Paul switched his focus at the beginning of chapter five to hone in on unbelievers, those who do not have a relationship with God yet by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. Paul gave us at the beginning of chapter five and these Thessalonian believers instructions on what will happen to unbelievers during the end times. What's going to happen to them uh, in this time of last things, the end times surrounding the return of Jesus? So we're in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul wrote these words about the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters. You do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Let's do a quick review of this 
passage from last week. We're going to do a quick review of the truth that God shared with us through Paul in this passage last Sunday. If you weren't here last week, then I would encourage you to go online this week and watch the service from last week so you can get the full teaching and background to uh, verses 1 through 3. Basically what was happening here at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul uh, let the believers in Thessalonica know they didn't need him to write anything more or anything new to them about the times and seasons surrounding the end times. Paul, Silas, and Timothy had already taught the believers in Thessalonica while they were with them in person in Thessalonica all they needed to to know about the times, the seasons, and the events that will happen during the end times or the last days. Paul said, for you yourselves know that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is for unbelievers, those who don't have a relationship with God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. The day of the Lord means God's judgment on unbelievers. God in his word is a loving God. He's also a holy God as we shared last week and God will judge and punish unbelievers for their sin and unbelief. God will sentence unbelievers to an eternity in hell separated from him forever because of their sin and unbelief. The day of the Lord, the day of God's holy and righteous and just judgment will come like a thief in the night. That means, Paul said, it will be a surprise. The day of the Lord will be a surprise, a shock to unbelievers. Unbelievers will not be expecting the day of the Lord. It will come suddenly and unexpectedly. And we know there are a couple of reasons for the shock and surprise in regards to the coming of the day of the Lord for unbelievers. Number one, because of their sin. Uh, number two, because of the message, peace and security that they will be listening to and following, that they will be hearing from false teachers and prophets in those last days. They, unbelievers, will be living their way instead of God's way, thinking everything is okay because that's what they will be hearing from the false prophets, the false teachers, and then suddenly, unexpectedly, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the light in the night, like labor pains on a pregnant woman. And what Paul is saying is they will not escape God's holy judgment. Unbelievers will not escape God's holy judgment at that point in time. And so we now transition and continue moving forward in verse four. Paul continues to says, but you brothers and sisters are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. So let's look, Paul says, but you. So here we see in verse three, Paul identified and was addressing them as they and them, they and them referring to unbelievers. Paul's focus in verse three was on the unbelievers, they and them. Paul switched his focus back to the believers, the follower of Jesus, because he said, but you brothers and sisters. So Paul's talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica. What Paul is going to do here, and we're going to see this play out in these middle verses that we're going to cover this morning. Paul begins here as he already has started. He's identifying, he's highlighting the different lives, the different directions, and the different eternal destinations for those who are believers as opposed to those who are unbelievers. 
the different lives, the different directions, and the different eternal destinations for those who are in Jesus and for those who are apart from Jesus. And so he says, but you, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. The dark here biblically means, uh, not in the dark, means in sin. It's the, just the domain, dark is the domain of sin, of evil, of unbelief in God. So he says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. You are no longer dead in your sins and transgressions. You are no longer separated from God because you are sin against God. No, you are my brothers and sisters. You are members of God's family by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. He said, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. You are no longer in the domain of sin. You are no longer in the domain of evil. You are no longer in the domain of unbelief in God. No, you are not separated from God because of your sin against God anymore because you are my brothers and sisters. You are just like me, Paul saying. You have become part of God's family by God's grace through your faith in Christ Jesus. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. He said, for this day, again, referring to the day of the Lord, the day of God's holy judgment on unbelievers due to their sin and unbelief in God. Paul reassured these believers here in verse four in Thessalonica that the day of the Lord will not surprise them, overtake them or seize them like a thief. Why? Paul reminded them the day of the Lord is for unbelievers. So Paul's instruction and teaching and encouragement of the believers in Thessalonica years ago is true for all followers of Jesus Christ, including us today. The return of Jesus is for believers. The day of the Lord is for unbelievers. He's reminding them. He's saying, listen, because of your relationship with God by faith in Christ Jesus, you don't need to worry about peace and, peace and security and then the sudden destruction that's going to come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman. That's, that's for those who do not have a relationship with God by faith in Christ Jesus, not you. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, that day's not going to surprise you, seize you, overtake you like a thief in the night. He continues with this and he says in verse 5, for you are all children of light and children of the day. He said, we do not belong to the night or the darkness. So notice in verse five, he said, for you are all children of light and children of the day. You know that you know that you know as a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you're a child of light. You're a child of the day, according to scripture. Children of light, children of the day, biblically refers to those who belong to God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. Light biblically refers to God, to truth, to purity. Dark biblically refers to Satan, to error, to falsehood, to sin. He says, you are all children of light and children of the day. No longer, we don't belong to the night or the darkness. So we see as well, those who are children of night or children of the darkness describe biblically those who do not belong to God. Those who do not have a relationship with God by God's grace alone, through their faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. We are children of light and children of the day by faith in Jesus Christ. And we see this throughout scripture. 
We see this play out all throughout scripture. I'm going to share some verses here with you, some passages. So jot these down if you're taking notes. If you want to follow along Bible drill style, you're welcome to follow along. But we're going to move kind of quick here. But I want you to see just a little bit of this theme in scripture that talks about we are children of light and the day. No longer do we belong to the night or to the darkness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John wrote these words. John wrote, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. Say that with me. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. God is light. What does that mean? It means God is perfect. God is holy. There is absolutely no sin or darkness in him at all. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. There, that means there is absolutely no sin, no darkness in Jesus Christ at all. He is the light of the world. And those of us, he said, who follow him, those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who have given our lives to him by faith, those of us who have surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ by faith, we will never again walk in the darkness of sin and separation from God because we have Jesus, the light of life living in us. Amen. Isn't that good? We have Jesus living in us. That's why Jesus later at the gospel of Matthew, Jesus said that you are the what? Light of the world. We're the light of the world. We see Peter jumps in on this theme and this teaching. And Peter said these familiar words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God has called us out of the darkness of sin into the marvelous light of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, by his grace through our faith in Jesus. Amen. We are God's people in Jesus. We are God's possession in Jesus. We are to proclaim the praises of God for our great salvation in Jesus Christ. This is good news for us. Now, not to be outdone, Paul jumped in, agreed with Peter, and listen to how Paul shared about this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul said it like this, God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good? God has rescued us from the domain of darkness. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He transformed for us into his family by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. It is in Jesus Christ that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the blood Jesus Christ shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And so we're able to rejoice in this amazing truth this morning. This amazing truth that we are children of light, children of the day. God looked at us knowing that we were separated him because of our sin against him. Scripturally, we know that we were once dead in our sins and transgressions. We were physically alive, but we were spiritually dead. And God, great in love, mercy, and grace for us. 
He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He called us out of the darkness of sin. And he transferred us. He called us into the marvelous light of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, that is just amazing. Amazing truth for you and me today and every day. Now, that, then he says, as he continues in verse 5, Therefore, we do not belong to the night or the darkness. We no longer belong to the night or darkness. We are not dead in our sins and transgressions anymore. We are not separated from God because of our sin against God anymore. No, we are alive with God by faith in Jesus. We are children of God by faith in Jesus. We are forgiven by God by faith in Jesus. We are right with God by faith in Jesus. We are day people, not night people, by faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying as he's helping them to understand the difference here. The difference for us as followers of Jesus as opposed to those who have yet to place their faith and trust in Jesus. He continues, but in verse 6, So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. He says, so then. That literally means because, since, therefore. So then, therefore, since we're day people, not night people, so then, therefore, he said, let us not sleep. Let us, Paul, again, is continuing the usage of you and we and us, letting us know in verse 6, he is still talking to believers, the followers of Christ Jesus in Thessalonica. He said, let us, he's including himself. He said, let us, children of light, let us, children of the day, let us, followers of Jesus Christ. And he said, not sleep, not sleep. What was he talking about there? Sleep, biblically, uh, can mean a few different things. Sleep can, in the scriptures, be used to literally mean sleep. And that's not the use here. Sleep can also be used in scripture as a metaphor, as a symbol to refer to death as we saw in chapter four. When we were making our way through the end of chapter four, we saw that Paul used sleep as a metaphor for death. But that's not the usage here in this passage either. Sleep, a third point, a third way that sleep can be used scripturally is sleep can be used as a metaphor, as a symbol to describe those who are spiritually complacent, lazy, and indifferent. So what Paul is saying here is so then, because we're day people, not night people, so then because we're children of the day, we're children of light, let us not become spiritually complacent, lazy, and indifferent to the things of God, to the truth of God, specifically to the end times, and even more specifically than that, according to the context of the scripture, to the coming day of the Lord. Let us not sleep. And he said, like the rest, again, the rest, as we've seen in chapter five, going back up into chapter four, the rest referred to unbelievers, the rest or outsiders referred to unbelievers, those who do not yet have a relationship with God by faith and trust in Christ Jesus. He said, so let us not sleep like the rest. Let us not become spiritually complacent, lazy, distracted, indifferent, like those who do not have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. He said, but, he said in verse six, he said, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. 
Stay awake means watch, be alert, pay attention spiritually. Self-controlled means to be sober-minded, calm, and collected. It means focused. Stay awake and self-controlled are in the present tense, which the, means these are daily disciplines for us as followers of Jesus Christ. So we understand and realize that we as followers of Jesus Christ, children of the day, not night, children of light, not darkness, we have been called out of the darkness of sin and the marvelous light of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we know that we must not sleep like the rest. We must not allow ourselves to become spiritually complacent, lazy, distracted, or indifferent on a day-by-day -day basis as we seek to follow after Christ. We must not allow ourselves to begin living, chasing after the things of this world. We must not waste time living apathetic to the coming of Jesus, to the coming day of the Lord. We must stop wasting time trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the word. No, Paul said we must be spiritually alert, spiritually awake. We must spiritually pay attention to the times and seasons. We must spiritually remain watchful. We must stay focused on God and the truth of God's word. We must be sober-minded, self-controlled, filled with this word. We must continue to be calm and confident as we live for Jesus day by day. We must stay ready and watchful for the return of Jesus day by day. And we must be ready and willing to tell others about Jesus while we still have time. Because we know, we know what's on the way. We know what's coming around the corner. And so he's helping us here to understand what's going on. He's helping us, challenging these believers. He's blessed them at the end of chapter 4, letting them know exactly what's getting ready to go on, what's getting ready to happen. With them, don't stress about your brothers and sisters in Christ who may have died before the return of Jesus. It's all good. They're going to be okay. They're going to return with Jesus. But I want you to lock in day by day on what's going on. He said, I want you to understand and know about the times and seasons of the end times. I don't want you to get caught up or distracted or focused on trying to figure it all out. What I'd prefer that you do is stay focused on being spiritually alert, awake, and self-controlled. Don't become complacent. Don't become lazy or distracted or indifferent spiritually. Don't allow your spiritual life to consist of a couple of hours on Sunday morning, and that's it. Don't allow the only time that you open this word to be on Sundays in your life team and in the morning in worship. He's saying, we got to be awake. We've got to be alert. We've got to be alert. The times and seasons are upon us. And most importantly, as we will see, as we continue making our way through, we're going to talk about this here in just a few moments. We've already started discussing this because it's 
clear in the passage here the the implication one of the main applications for us out of this is when we start to understand all that Paul's saying hey we must be busy telling people the good news of Jesus Christ we must be busy if we truly understand the times and seasons if we truly understand what's going on if we truly care about people then he's saying don't sleep don't sleep stay awake be self-controlled those people in your congregation the Lord's saying I've placed them there they need my son the Savior Jesus don't sleep stay awake reach out to him tell him about Jesus pray for him to receive him after you tell him about him and then he continues and I, I love this verse this verse boy you can look at it you can go oh my goodness we can go all kind of different ways on this verse it says verse 7 for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night yeah you know too you can look at that and go, oh my goodness, what's he going to say about this? Well, there's a lot I'd love to say. Trust me. Trust me. Um, but uh, I'm going to stick to the context and uh, what the Holy Spirit wants, and we'll stick to where we need to be in this passage. But I think you understand uh, all the other points that uh, you can obviously grasp. Um, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. What's Paul doing? Well, Paul right here, he is continuing, like I said earlier, he's continuing to highlight. He's continuing to identify the differences between believers, children of the day, and how they live with the differences of unbelievers, children of the night, and how they live. He's highlighting a clear difference here in verse 7. So what he's saying here is it's real simple. He's saying it is natural and normal for most people who sleep to sleep at night. And he's using sleep here to refer to sleep. It's normal, natural for most people who sleep to sleep at night. Now, yes, you could tell me there's some exceptions. You got a crazy aunt or uncle that sleeps in the day and is up all night. Yes, I get that. That's, there, there are exceptions, but it's normal and natural for most people who sleep, like us, for the most part, to sleep at night. It's also natural and normal for those who get drunk to get drunk at night. Again, granted, there are exceptions where folks will get drunk in the middle of the day, early part of the morning. But it's normal and natural in general for those who sleep, sleep at night, for those who get drunk, to get drunk at night. What Paul is saying is it is also natural and normal for unbelievers to live 
in rebellion against God and in opposition to God. It's natural and normal for unbelievers to live in their sin against God, to be unaware of God and the truth of his word, to be unconcerned about the implications of the truth of God's word for them, to be unaware of certainly the truth of God's word surrounding the day of the Lord and specifically the impending judgment coming upon them for their sin and unbelief at the day of the Lord. It's natural and normal for unbelievers because they don't have a relationship with God. They're dead in their sins and transgressions. They're separated from God because they're sin against God. They're physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. So it's natural for them to live according to the ways of the world. It's natural for them to chase after the things of the flesh. For we were once just like them, Paul said. We were once in Ephesians. We were once dead in our sins and transgressions. Hey, apart from Christ Jesus living in me, it'd be the way I'd be living. Apart from the grace of God in my life, I'd be living just like the rest of the world. I wouldn't care about God or the things of God. I wouldn't be concerned about the day of the Lord. If I didn't have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus, I wouldn't be here. You think it's natural because they don't know the Father. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. But here's what he says. It's not natural. It's not normal. And it's not right for those of us who have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to live like we're still in the domain of darkness. That's not natural. That's not right. That's not normal. It's not right for followers of Jesus to live like they don't know Jesus. It's not right for children of light to live like they're children of the dark. It's not right for children of the day to live like they're children of the night. Paul's helping them to understand how important this is. It's just like what Paul said to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Or live as children of light. What Paul is saying here and in other places is we belong to Jesus. Now we need to live for Jesus. We belong to Jesus. We need to live through Jesus. We are different in Christ Jesus, so therefore we need to live differently for Christ Jesus. We need to live differently through Christ Jesus. Why? Why is this so important? Why is he making this statement? And why is this so important for these believers and us today to be able to know and understand this and to be able to live this out? I'll tell you why it's important, because there are people all around us who are dying and going to spend eternity in hell, but they desperately need Jesus. And if we are asleep, if we are living as if we're still in the domain of darkness, if there is nothing that would differentiate us in our lives and the way we live from those who have no relationship or believe or trust in God, then we 
are falling woefully short of God's desire for our lives. He wants us to be a walking witness for Jesus. And when necessary, he wants us to use our words. You understand? He wants us to be a living, walking witness for Jesus. Because that is what allows folks to begin to draw in and come a little closer. Say, mind telling me why you don't do this or why you do that? And those are opportunities then we get to use our words and tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. See, Paul is, is challenging these followers of Jesus. And what a great challenge for us today as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? What a great challenge for us. Man, as the darkness around us gets darker and darker in this world, living in rebellion against God and opposition to God, we have the opportunity to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Where is light needed most? Where it's the darkest. And so we understand and realize this is Paul's desire. This is Paul's teaching as he's making his way through this passage. And he's, he's getting ready to come up and as we continue moving forward to end on a high note here. In this eschatological section here at the beginning of chapter 5. So what is our application today? What is our takeaway? We, we need to, to look at some application for us today. What does God want us to do uh, in light of this passage, in light of this teaching of uh, this morning, there's one application point. It's real simple. It's real quick, but we're going to look at it from a few different perspectives. So we'll apply it in a few different ways. One point should be easy for each of us to grab onto and to take with us today in this week so that we can keep focused on what God wants for us. The application point for each of us this day and this week here this morning is real simply this. We need to stay spiritually alert. We must stay alert spiritually. We must Stay alert spiritually. That's our application. That's God's word for you and that's God's word for me. Now we're going to apply it in different ways for how God wants to apply it in our lives. We must stay alert spiritually. We must live as wise, not as unwise people making the most of the days because the dimes are evil. We need to understand and know what the Lord's will is. And then we need to understand it and know it. We didn't actually need to do what the Lord's will is. We need to stay alert, awake, and on guard spiritually. Why? Because the days of the end times, the seasons, the times and seasons of the end times, the return of Jesus, the day of of the Lord, each of these is getting closer and closer with every passing day. We must stay alert, awake, and on guard spiritually because our enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour, discourage, and defeat. We must stay alert, awake, and on guard spiritually because our enemy is a liar, he's a tempter, he's an accuser, and he's very good at what he does. And we need to make sure that we are guarded and that we are focused in on this word so that we can resist his temptations, his lies, and his accusations, and so that we can stay alert spiritually and do all that he's called us to do, not just in our lives, but for the congregations that God has placed around us. We must stay alert spiritually today and every day all through this week and beyond as the Lord gives us breath and 
each time he gives us breath, wakes us up in the day, we need to focus in on being who he wants us to be and doing what he wants us to do. Staying alert spiritually. Now, the question is, how do we know if we're staying alert spiritually? What does a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ look like? What's a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ going to be doing? If I'm spiritually alert, what are some things that I need to know that I need to be doing? Well, I'll give you just a few here real quick. It's just some, it's just some points that we know through this passage, through our study, through the truth of God's word. A spiritually alert follower of Jesus will be waiting. A spiritually alert follower of Jesus will be waiting. Waiting expectantly on the return of Jesus Christ. Waiting with God expectantly for the return of Jesus. A spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ will be waiting confidently with God to do his work in us. A spiritually alert follower of Jesus will be waiting confidently in God to do his work through us. That we will be waiting confidently because God's will is best for us. Waiting patiently because God's timing is best for us. You see, a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ is going to be characterized by being willing to wait. As the psalmist David said in Psalm 27 and verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. A spiritual alert follower of Jesus Christ will be waiting on God and they're not going to move until God says move and they're not going to stop until God says stop. They're not going to go until God says go. A spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ will be waiting, waiting expectantly, waiting confidently, waiting patiently for the father to continue bringing his plan into action in our lives and through us and around us. A spiritual alert follower of Jesus Christ secondly will be watching they will be watching with God for the return of Jesus they will be watching for God to continue doing his work in their lives through their lives and around their lives they will be watching for God to do his work in the lives of the congregation that he has given them they'll be watching for God to continue rescuing people out of the domain of darkness and transferring them into the kingdom of the son that he loves they will be watching for God to call people out of the darkness of sin into the marvelous light of his son the savior Jesus Christ you see a spiritual alert follower Jesus Jesus Christ is going to be one day by day who's waiting and who's watching. Third, a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ will be one who is working. They're working and serving God. They're working as unto the Lord and not man. They're working where God's called them to work in their workplace because that's where they worship the Father by working for Him and not for man. They'll be found working using the gifts abilities, the talents, the spiritual gift that God has given to them, all those things that God's given to them to bless others, to minister to others, to serve others in the name of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. You see, a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ knows, they know that God wants them to do the good works that he has prepared in advance for them to do. You see, a spiritually alert follower of Jesus Christ knows for by grace they are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves as a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. They know they've been saved by God's grace, not by their works. But they also know they've been saved for good works. For we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared in advance for us to do. So you see the spiritual alert follower of Jesus Christ. As Paul beautifully demonstrated, he beautifully demonstrated this. You remember in our study already, we studied in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4, what just recall, what did you learn? What have we learned in our study? Well, we learned this. When Paul, Silas, and Timothy were in Thessalonica ministering to them for that month period of time, what did Paul tell them? He said, we worked hard day and night so as not to be a burden to any of you. They were working. They were working for the Lord, not for man. They were working. 
We know that they were waiting and we know that they were watching for the return of Jesus because Paul, in all five chapters of 1 Thessalonians, talked about the return of Jesus. We also know that they were working. Paul, we know in chapter 4, Paul told the believers in Thessalonica, work with your own hands. You remember that time when we studied through that passage? Work with your own hands. Do your job, he said. Because as we work for the Lord, it allows us the privilege and opportunity to tell us about the Lord. And so we see a spiritual alert follower of Jesus Christ. Paul's not only teaching these, he's living them out will be one who's waiting and watching and working. They'll also be one who's worshiping. They'll be worshiping a follower of Jesus Christ who's spiritual alert, a follower of Jesus Christ who's awake, not asleep. They will worship God and give him the praise and the honor and the glory that he is due. Hey, they will worship God in their homes, They will worship God in their cars. They will worship God at work. They will worship God in his house with his people. They will worship God in their life teams. They'll worship God when they're all alone. They will worship a spiritual alert follower of Jesus Christ. That's you, that's me. We will worship God for rescuing us from the domain of darkness for transferring us into the kingdom of the son he loves he did that for us it wasn't us it wasn't me i didn't save myself you didn't save yourself it's our god He called us out of the darkness of sin in the marvelous light of his son, our Savior Jesus. He has lavished his love on us in Christ Jesus. He has poured out his grace, his amazing grace on us in Christ Jesus. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Hey, it's our joy. It's our privilege. And just real honestly, it should be our passion. It should be our passion. To worship him. To give him praise. You know, at times we come into this house in this room and that's the last thing on our minds because we completely misunderstand the whole point of worship through song. We think it's about us. <laughs> we think it's supposed to be because of our preferences. Songs we like or don't like. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Since when has life become about us? Now worship is about the one who's worthy. Worship is to him. We come in and those who raise their hands, what are they doing? They don't have any questions. They're just saying, all praise 
and honor and glory is to you. It's to you. He's worthy. It's not about us. It's about him. That's why the scripture says for us to offer a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that profess his name. Well, that just simply means it's natural and it's normal for those of us who are children of light to give praise to our God who is light. You see, a spiritual alert follower of Jesus will also be walking. They'll be growing in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. They'll be walking out their faith in God by their obedience to God. They'll be living and pleasing God more and more as Paul has taught us in chapter 4 and into chapter 5. They will be walking in the spirit and not the flesh. Because that's why God's placed his Holy Spirit in us according to chapter 4. So that we can live our lives pleasing him and grow in our faith and trust in him. You see, a follower of Jesus Christ who's spiritually alert, who's awake, who's on guard. Man, they're going to continue to be growing no matter their age or stage in life. They want to continue growing. So they can be more and more effective for the kingdom. And then a follower of Jesus Christ who's spiritually alert. They'll be witnessing. They'll be telling others the good news of Jesus. So that those who don't know Jesus might be able to receive God's gift of salvation, love, and life by placing their faith in Jesus. You know, the scriptures tell us how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, the good news of the gospel. I like what one pastor once said. He said this, some of you are playing hide and seek with Jesus. And pretty soon Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. Jesus is coming back. Amen. He's coming back. He's coming back for us. So let's stay alert and ready spiritually for the return of Jesus. Let's make sure we're waiting and watching and working and worshiping and walking and witnessing. Let's make sure that he, when he comes back for us, he finds us. Content, confident, and doing what he's called us to do, being who he's called us to be. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead us in this time of invitation.